0: Sports Talk with your host Robert Land. Here come the Astros burning with desire. Here come the Astros breathing orange fire.
1: Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And in this one, the Astros are just one game away from going to the World Series. We're going to talk about another big win for the good guys the rockets are showing why they are a long ways away from being anything and the texans might be just days away from a deshaun trade before we fire up the game 5 post game show and so much more a reminder that we're brought to you by betus.com america's favorite sports book not only is betus the place to bet on all your favorite sports astros rockets texans but in just a few minutes we're going to remind you about our exclusive discount as you know, it's a great way to save you money, support the show, and maybe help you make a little holiday spending money. The holiday's just a few weeks away. Before we get to the details, let me bring in my co-host and regular sidekick, a fellow H-Town sports junkie, and a happy veteran journalist, because, Stephen, Halloween is next week, and from Bernstein, He's alive!
0: He's alive. Oh, isn't it? And aren't we glad he's alive, Robert? I mean, this is a guy, you know, he he can just go ahead and scare the Red Sox, any other team we play, all he wants to. Man, we we kept waiting for the real Fromber Valdez. And and I I had a good feeling that he would pitch a good game, but I have to be honest, I, I wasn't expecting this. Eight innings, one run ball. I think at one point, in uh, At five innings, I, I missed part of the game because I had to go out, Robert. But I did see where Fromber had like 54 pitches through five innings. And that's when I knew, oh, man, this guy's pitching like his life depends on it. Yeah,
1: I was in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning. And I'm thinking, oh, no, Steve, I thought, oh, Dusty's going to take him out because <laughs> Dusty just he's got that itchy trigger finger, you know.
0: <laughs> well, he did take him out. He didn't let him complete the game. But, yeah, at least he let him go eight innings, right? Oh, yeah, and you just can't say enough about his performance. And
1: if you get the real Fromber back and you can win one more game in this series, and it's not going to be easy uh, because the Astros don't have a stopper or anything like that in the next couple of games. They're going to have to do Astros by committee to win this thing in the next couple of games with their pitching staff. But if you can get by this round – you know, maybe, maybe there's some miracle and McCullers comes back, but at least Fromber gives you some hope as a guy that could be an ace for you if he's pitching like this going into the Braves or Dodgers series.
0: Well, you know, there there is hope for that too, Robert. And I also, you know, if Garcia does come back, he made some adjustments in his bullpen session the other day that hopefully he can straighten some things out. I mean, if they could just right the ship enough to get through, starting with Fromber's beautiful game, you know, and Jose Arquidi. I mean, the, the, for him to have a game like that, it, it's got to be a once in a million thing. I mean, surely he's not going to completely fall apart the rest of the season. And the other thing too, you know, you look at the other series going on, the Dodgers and Braves. You know, I mean, both of their pitching hasn't exactly been lights out. The Braves are having to start a relief pitcher in the game that they had today, the same pitcher who ended the game before that. So, a lot of crazy things are going on in the postseason. And that probably bodes well for the Astros, especially with the pitching. And I'll tell you what, Robert, I'm glad that history did not repeat itself for the Astros in tonight's game because all time in the postseason, when it comes to game fives, the Astros were two and six coming into this game. So thank goodness history was not in their corner tonight. They are three and six now.
1: And you look
0: over and as we're
1: doing this, I don't want to say it too loudly, but the Braves are winning 5-0 against the Dodgers in the fifth inning, and they're really close to taking a potential 3-1 lead in that series with home field advantage. That That's a positive if you're an Astro fan.
0: Yeah, it certainly is, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't I definitely want to talk too loudly because they had a 5-2 lead. Uh, you know, they were down 5-2 the other night and uh, came back and won that game. So yeah, th- this is a crazy postseason, but you know, that's why I love baseball, Robert, because... You know, one day to the next can be totally 180. And we saw that in this series. And we were so down after game three. We talked about it last night. We thought the Astros were done for. I mean, I, I had a sliver of optimism, but it was waning fast. And then they come and, you know, win game four and five like they do. All of a sudden, you know, the Astros, you look up and they're ahead three games to two. And they've got two games at May Park. Now, I hope it doesn't get so crazy that it ends up being at their disadvantage, and the Red Sox wake up. But at least this has become a series again, and that's all you can ask for going into these last two games.
1: Let's get to the main points in this one, some of the highlights. And you start off with Jordan's solo home run, and we're going to get to Jordan and his night a little bit later because there is a ton to talk about there. But that was in the top of the second. Top fourth, runners on first and third, one out. Correa couldn't put the ball in play. So they couldn't get a run in that situation. Scary missed opportunity at the time. Of course, didn't end up hurting him in the long run. Meanwhile, an Astros starting pitcher goes past the third inning and Sylvester Turner announced a downtown parade.
0: (laughs) Hey, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh my gosh, he got through two innings. Well, that's better than the first time. And he gets through three and then he gets through four. And I'm thinking, hey, look at this. You know, and, and even... Chris Sale, you know, got through five innings. As he put it, I got through five and I sucked in one. Well, Fromber, he just kept on going. And he went through eight and uh, came out. He didn't suck. So, <laughs> yeah, what a, what a great time that was. He also did it economically, which was good. And then
1: top of the six, we talk about Altuve's base running quite a bit. Sometimes it's iffy, but it's always aggressive. And on that Brantley squibber, he was both aggressive and Smart. He goes from first to third, scared Kyle Schwarber out of his pants into an era that <laughs> opened up the floodgates,
0: Stephen. Yeah, you know, aggressive base running is fine. You know, you have to pick your spots, and, and Altuve did pick his spot, and it paid off for him. And the, You know, what I've always said about good base running, especially if you're fast, but, but even if you're just smart, it, it puts pressure on the defense, and that's exactly what Altuve did. He, he put pressure on Kyle Schwarber, forced him basically forced him into a mistake, and that's what good base runners do. They make the fielders make the play maybe a little faster or make them think a little faster than they want, and that may have been what happened with Schwarber, but boy, did it pay off for the Astros in that case. The big way it was smart, though,
1: was because if you missed it, they showed on the replay Nobody was covering third base when he rounded second. And he thought, okay, they're not going to get there in time. And uh, Schwarber was panicking because he saw, oh, there goes Altuve to third, but he should have seen that it wasn't going to be likely that somebody was going to be over there to cover third base. So the Astros are in business. Jordan cashes in Altuve's base running two run double. How patient was Jordan? How amazing was him in this one? Not just
0: a single double in the home run. But all three of them, he goes the other way. And that's pretty hard to do against a pitcher like Chris Sale. The, the way he comes in, sidearm, all these weird motions he makes. Robert, if you're a left-handed hitter, that that's a really difficult thing to do, uh, no matter how good of a left-handed hitter you are. And that's what I think was was so great about what Alvarez did against a pitcher like Chris Sale. I mean, he just he made it look so easy. I mean, it couldn't have been, but he sure made it look easy. To do it
1: against Chris Sale, to have the home run and the single against Chris Sale, and the single off the monster, too, uh, just uh, huge. It was huge, and you don't see a lefty doing that against Chris Sale too often. And needless to say, as we move on in this inning, I've been really critical of Dusty for playing Jose Siri for Chaz, but Siri with the jam shot, two-run single, not exactly... Scary uh, as far as the pitches were concerned to Siri, if you know what I mean, they were just not right. that great. But Siri had a good at bat because he—he you got to give him credit, got to give him love because he got it done when you needed it, and that really was the final straw. That kind—I of, kind of felt like that was the final deal that really broke it open, and the way Fromber was pitching you felt like the Astros were in total control at that point.
0: Well, it's not always the monster shots that get you. I mean, look at Jason Castro's hit. It wasn't a home run, but boy, was it a big hit. It opened the floodgates, and that's kind of where you are with Siri. You know, and here's the thing with Siri. I mean, it's obviously going to be him and Chaz McCormick now because Jake Myers apparently is done. I mean, they thought that he was going to come back, but uh, from what I understand, his his injury is even worse. And so, you know, if you take him off the roster— He's done for the postseason. You can't put him in the World Series. So it's going to be Chaz McCormick basically trading off with Jose Siri. I mean, that's what we're going to get, it looks like, for the rest of the postseason, however long the Astros are in it.
1: I'm just going to go back to what I said before. Good for him that he made that hit. He got the hit in the big moment there for Siri. But I'm sorry, Dusty. Like, what's the deal? I mean, Chaz McCormick has done everything that you would want from him. Siri just isn't as good a player as Chaz McCormick is right now. And series fine as a pitch runner late in the game. I have no problem with him being on the roster. You, you, you got the best choice without Jake Myers, but um, th- there's no there's no reason to play him at this point. Chaz McCormick has been one of the best hitters in the series. I looked it up, Stephen, before this game, and he was fourth in OPS among the Astros that got at least 15 postseason at bats to this point. The only other guy that's in the conversation is Castro. Uh, but he he had had 15 postseason at bats, but he he's fourth. He was behind prior to the game. He was behind
0: Kyle Tucker, Jordan, and I think Yuli. Yeah, it was Guriel. Yeah, some awfully good company. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I, I haven't really even seen much. Uh, it doesn't seem like a lot of people are asking that question of why Chaz isn't playing more. And he, he certainly had to earn his spot. Did Chaz McCormick when he did start playing? But. Uh, you know, Jose did contribute, and so as long as he continues to do something, I, I guess Dusty is is going to play him more in this postseason, especially since, you know, he was putting Jake Myers in there instead of McCormick. So it looks like Siri is going to be the guy that is going to be coming off and platooning with him. I want to get your final thoughts on the Astros in just a bit, but we're going to take
1: a little seventh-inning stretch here and talk about our friends over at Bet US because they've got the Cougars The Houston Cougars as a 13.5-point favorite over East Carolina. Not a surprise. The Cougars, you know, we haven't talked about it, but they're playing well since that Texas Tech game. We should at least acknowledge that they haven't lost a game since the opener against Texas Tech, and they really had just the bad second half against them. And their defense, Stephen, ranked 11th in scoring and 4th in total defense in the nation.
0: Yeah, I admit I'm surprised, Robert, but I have to kind of go back to the fact that they do have – a pretty easy schedule. So I guess, you know, I'm not trying to be totally skeptical here, just being realistic that, you know, you put them up against a really good team and I'm just not sure I'm convinced that they're really all that, but you know, you got to win. You got to win the schedule that's put in front of you. And so far, except for that Texas tech game. Well, that's what the Cougars have done and they've had a week off. So maybe they'll be fresh for East Carolina and come out swinging and not let up. But if you like what the Cougs are doing and you think
1: that thirteen and a half points is good enough to cover, go to our friends at BetUS because uh they are the place to go. You might as well go with the sports book with integrity and longevity. It's not just football for BetUS. They take on any sport. So uh just get in there uh because they've been doing this for three decades, really a pioneer in the sports book industry, diehard customer fan base, easy to use mobile platform. And you can also log in to betus.com on your computer, on your smartphone, or call 800-792-3887, 79 bet and we can save you money when you sign up. As you know, if you just use our promo code, HST125, you redeem a 125% sign-up bonus on your initial $100 deposit. HST125 is the promo code. And to help our podcast, to give us a little support, it really helps if you just go to our website, HoustonSportsTalk.net, and click on that BetUS link, or you can go to our Twitter page up to the top and click on uh, our pinned post where we have the BetUS link there. Get your online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS. You
0: bet, you win, and you get paid. Woo! Getting paid. Well, yeah, if you bet on the Astros again, you definitely got paid Is as- we get back to talking about this uh, great Game 5 victory, Robert. Still trying to get over the glow here.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know, one of the guys that we need to talk about because he's he's finally starting to be the old Michael Brantley is the metronome himself, 2-for-5 in this game. Uh, got a, a hit last night as well. I mean, he's starting to. we're starting to see him come around a little bit. The top of the order, eh, Altuve, n- not as much. You know, just the one hit in this one. Uh, he's still basically... Hitting home runs or nothing in this series. Bregman, you got to get going, but, you know, the rest of the lineup, not too shabby. Jordan's been good in this series. Uh, Correa's been good. Not great, but still been pretty good. Uh, Kyle Tucker's been really good. Yuli uh, gurriel has been great. So a lot of guys contributing. Of course, Chaz McCormick is as well. Martin Maldonado, not so much, but, you know, he's doing the other stuff. He's doing what Martin does.
0: Yeah, and he's another guy that I think you're going to see a lot of playing time. I know we've talked about, you know, why not give Jason Castro a start here and there in the postseason and and spell Martin, but I don't see that happening. You know, he's going to be in there. And I'll tell you what really jumps out at me, Robert, about what the Astros have been doing offensively, and I meant to mention this last night in Game 4, but in that seven-run outburst in the ninth, every single one of those runs came with two outs, every single one of them. And throughout the playoffs, they have 41 runs with two outs. I mean, it's almost like you don't want the Astros to get, get runners on base with nobody out. You would rather wait till there's two outs and then they just start hitting because, man, that's what they've been doing a lot this postseason. Absolutely. And, and, and that's something that
1: I was a little bit concerned at times in the regular season. They weren't getting the big hits and the big moments and the clutch situations. But in the postseason, they just know how to turn it on. They flip a switch.
0: Of course, they have blown some chances, like uh, I think you mentioned it, in the fourth inning of Game 5, they have runners at the corners with less than two outs and didn't come through. But for the most part, especially when it gets to two outs, they have really been money, and you know, and the chances that they haven't, at least in Game 5 and, and some of the others, it hasn't come back to bite them. But, yeah, it, it's really amazing. I mean, when this team is on, it's on. But, obviously, when they are off, especially – In the regular season, when the offense hit a funk, boy, did they ever. But it's just exciting, you know, to watch. And when they've come back like they have, and now they're just one win away from the World Series, man, that's incredible. Now, in
1: this situation, I would normally be really happy. They've got the home field advantage. They've just got to win one game. But... I still remember 2019 in the World Series where they couldn't get that yeah. one
0: game at home. Yeah, there is that history to go on with the Nationals. And, you know, sometimes you just, the team wakes up. I mean, the Red Sox have certainly, you you know they're not going to be that anemic like they have been in the last two games. I mean, they really did. You know, the, the other thing that is so amazing about Fromber when he's on, what did they only have, two fly balls the whole game, Robert? Everything else was either ground balls or strikeouts. You know, that's the former that we know. And, uh, and a lot of the other pitchers, like Arquiti, for instance, are fly ball pitchers. And that's what always worries me is, you know, when, when you get the ball in the air, you hit it too far, it's gone. You know, ground balls, I mean, yeah, bad things can happen, but you've got a better chance. And so the Red Sox are certainly going to be, I, I think, they're going to be primed and ready. They're not going to be that down as far as they're hitting. So yeah, it does scare me a little bit. Just having the home field advantage these next two games it's you know it's, it's not going to be a guarantee the Astros stole two out of three in Boston so there you go Luis Garcia is going to get the ball. can we get just just five
1: innings from Luis Garcia can we just get that
0: yeah I'd absolutely take that especially I mean look at you know what what Fromber's performance did is it gave the majority of the bullpen the rest and then you have an off day where they get an extra day of rest so yeah if if Luis Garcia can give you, Five innings, I'd be fine with that. Absolutely. If he can give you more than that, that's even a bonus.
1: <sighs> yeah, it's it, it's a huge deal if he could just give you that five innings because you know you rested most of your bullpen in this one too, so they're going to have a day off with this game. So that's a good two days rest for Kyle Presley and Graveman, and they should be ready to go in in Game Six, and and maybe you get five innings out of him and. Between Mayton and, you know, somebody else, you can get that two innings to get you to, uh, or that inning to get you to Graveman and Presley. If Graveman can give you maybe two innings again, you only need an inning to get you to Graveman and Presley.
0: Well, it just goes to show that, you know, no matter how things look, I mean, two days ago, things looked so bad. It's like this bullpen is going to be completely worn out. I mean, I shudder to think if Fromber had only gone through two or three innings, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation, Robert, even if the Astros had, you know, managed to win the game. It would have just been all kinds of trouble. But now things are certainly better because you've got that rested bullpen and you have an off day where everybody can regroup. So it's in their favor. But as I've said, this has been a crazy postseason. You just look at the Dodgers-Braves series, that'll tell you anything. And then look at this series. So I'm still nervous, Robert. I'm still nervous. But, man, it's better to be up 3-2 than down 3-2 as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, baseball, you're always nervous because the next day's momentum is basically the starting pitcher, and we saw it with Frommer. Let's get to the Texans because, you know, the Texans made a little bit of news today. Well, they they didn't make news themselves, but uh, the word is on the street that the Texans within the week might have a deal done with Deshaun Watson going to the Miami Dolphins. And I tell you what, Stephen, I don't understand it. I think it's stupid unless they know something that's going to happen. That's bad because of the trial or what's going on with his case and court and all of that sort of stuff. Why make that move now? Because if you trade him to the dolphins and the dolphins play him, all of a sudden the draft pick that you get from the dolphins this year, it's worth less and less because you know, Deshaun will be moving you down and down and down the draft. Why not wait till the end of the year And why is it just about the Dolphins? Get a bidding war going. You can't get a bidding war going until the offseason because you're not going to have a bunch of teams right now bidding for them. But if you wait till the offseason when some of the teams kind of know where they are, know what the draft looks like, all of a sudden it's a different story. I just don't get this. I don't understand even thinking about making a move until the offseason.
0: I agree with you in part, Robert. I think the biggest problem is that nobody knows when this is going to end. I mean, I'm just kind of wondering what is the deal you know, with the NFL just taking their sweet time, I mean, that's not something they normally do. They they would have suspended him by now if it was someone else or at least have, conducting their own investigation. And and there would at least be some resolution to this. You know, you kind of know what's going to happen. But the way things are right now, we have no idea. This could go on for months and months. And if that's the case, the longer this drags on, Robert, without any certainty or without any resolution, you know, then the the harder it's going to be for the Texans, maybe not to, to trade Deshaun, but to get something for him. Now, what they've been asking for, I believe, is three first rounders and a couple of second round picks. And uh, depending on what happens if they do make the trade this week, if that's the case, yeah, you'd like to get more than that. I'd like to have a player thrown into the deal too, if possible. But I think that you know, maybe the Texans are rushing things a bit. But honestly. I think that just, you know, there's a lot of just so much unknown of how long this is going to go on. And they just want to get this albatross from around their neck. What's going to happen, though? I
1: mean, what what are you worried about? Is he going to go to jail? I don't think that's where we're going with this.
0: I don't see him going to jail, no. But if he gets suspended by the NFL, it's not going to do any good. No matter what team he's on, he's not going to be playing. Right. But if he gets suspended...
1: I I, I still don't think it's going to bring his value that far down. I mean, are they going to spend him for the whole season? I don't think that's happening. I just, I I don't see where that's, I mean, what's the precedent for for him being suspended for a whole season? Who's got suspended for a whole season that's had any of this stuff happen with women? You just don't see it in the NFL, frankly. I mean, it's sad, but that's where we are.
0: Well, and yeah, that's been the criticism of the NFL for the longest time is, uh, oh, they've made examples of a few people, but not really that much. But you know, what, let's look at it from the Dolphins' side of things. I mean, they're one in five right now. You know, maybe they're in desperation mode. I mean, we've been hearing Miami for the longest time. We've heard some other teams, Philadelphia, Denver, but Miami is the team that we've been hearing so much about that has shown big interest in Deshaun, and they obviously invested in Tua Tagovailoa, but that hasn't panned out at all. They're, I mean, they're one in five. So they may be looking at this as, you know, what? Maybe we just need to take a chance give them what they want, or, you know, let's see if we can bargain them down a little bit. But it could be that the Dolphins are are kind of bringing this side up because they're in desperation mode, too. I, I know what you're saying with what could happen down
1: the road, but even if he's suspended, let's say he's suspended for a year, Stephen. Okay, let's just pretend that's what happens. So he comes back after a year. Who's going to be better after, after Deshaun gets suspended for a year? Deshaun, a year later, or a rookie quarterback in his second, you know, a, a young quarterback in his second year after getting drafted. Who's going to be better the third year? Who's going to be better
0: the fourth year? It's Deshaun. Well, yeah, you have to say that. I mean, and look at it. The guy's sitting out right now. His body is resting. He's not getting pummeled. <laughs> he's not having to run for his life. So yeah, he's he's going to be fresh regardless of when he comes back to play, you know, at least to some extent, he's going to have to have some practice time and all that, but no, you're right. If, if Deshaun is going to be the Deshaun of old, then he's going to be above and beyond the quarterback that everyone's looking for. Yeah,
1: he, he, he could get suspended all of next year. OK, that could happen. So what? He's still better than the guy that you drafted uh, at the end of this year. He's still better than that guy you drafted in May and a, a year after that. He still got, gives you a better chance to win a Super Bowl, And this draft doesn't look good in any way. I mean, you don't know these drafts. We we don't know what quarterback is going to come from nowhere and surprise everybody. And it's going to be somebody that you may not expect, but I'm just telling you like Deshaun, he's likely better than anybody that gets drafted in this draft by a long ways. I mean, Deshaun was looking like one of the top five quarterbacks uh, before all of this. So, and he's not old, he's not an old guy. It's just, Again, this just makes no, no sense to me. Let, let's go to the Rockets because what also doesn't make sense to me is the fans' love and the Rockets' love for Kevin Porter Jr. So I watched the first game. We, as we're recording, the first game hasn't quite ended yet, but the Rockets got pretty much pummeled right off the bat. And Stephen, I, I've never been a Kevin Porter Jr. fan. I did not foresee Maybe it being this bad, but Kevin Porter Jr. leading this team as the point guard, they are going to be terrible until they find a point guard that is a real point guard and not Kevin Porter Jr. And the thing is, I don't know what this guy does well. Nobody can seem to explain to me what he does well. Everybody's like, oh, he's going to be the next James Harden. Well, he can't shoot. He can't dribble that well. He can't pass. He turns the ball over all the time. Yeah, Harden turned the ball over all the time but Harden made a lot of really good passes and Harden got fouled and went to the line a lot. And Harden made a lot of step back threes and Harden did a lot of things that Kevin Porter Jr. Just can't do just because his body looks like James Harden, just because he might be able to do a play of James Harden once in a while does not make him James Harden. And he is killing the Rockets all through the preseason and in the first game because he's not a point guard He's not a leader and he turns the ball over left and right. And his defense is atrocious. That is definitely James Harden. And he's living right up to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is, I guess the one thing that he is uh, similar to James Harden in. And I think that the biggest mistake people are making is they're looking at his physical resemblance and just assuming that he has the same type of skills. And it's obvious he doesn't. And, you know, we talked about this the other day, Robert, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Look, look, I understand that they want to, you know, trade John Wall at some point. But why not play John Wall as your point guard until you can find a deal for him, a, a deal that the Rockets are happy with, you know, a deal that Wall is happy with. Let him Put him in there. Have some veteran leadership on the floor with these young guys. I mean, Wall's been willing to hang around and help the young guys. Well, why not put him on the floor and play him? You, you haven't traded him yet. And who knows when you're going to? I mean, it may not be till the trade deadline, if then, that you can unload his salary. So why not play him until you can come up with a better you know, option for a point guard and let Kevin Porter Jr. be the backup? I, I just don't think it's in his head, Robert. I just feel like I don't care what his physical skills may be or what his potential may be, but the mental game plays a big part of it. And Kevin Porter Jr. just hasn't shown me that he is mentally ready to step up and be even a good NBA player. Forget being a great one. Well, I'll I'll, I'll retort, and I'll tell you what
1: Stone would tell you, Rafael Stone. He would say, "Well, if we start John Wall and we play him even twenty six, twenty seven minutes, it means we're only seeing twenty minutes or, or or so of of Kevin Porter, and they just want to be able to evaluate him because this is his third year in the NBA. That that's the retort. My retort to that though." and you can agree or disagree with this, but my retort is, I, I'm sorry, it's not there. I already know it. It ain't there, and it's not getting there. And and he doesn't look any, any bit better than he did at the end of last year, in the middle of last year, at the beginning of last year. Yeah, he had a 50-point game. Congratulations. One in a row in the NBA does not make you good. So, you know, and and, and let me just, again, Stephen, I, I, I've got to, I want to talk to, Rockets Twitter for a second and let me make this perfectly clear to everybody on Rockets Twitter I want Kevin Porter Jr. to succeed I want this to work out but so I'm te- yeah but I'm telling you it ain't gonna work out and bring over your people uh, from Rockets Twitter and tell them to listen to me because you're hearing the truth here you're, you're not seeing it on Rockets Twitter you're not seeing it by the organization. You're not seeing it by the fan base, but I'm telling you the truth and the truth hurts sometimes.
0: Well, and I think we're, we're just being objective and Robert, you know, I'm gonna bring up something that you said the other night. We're, we're not there. We have nothing personal against Kevin Porter jr. I don't even know the guy. I I assume you, neither do you, Robert, you know, we're, we're not ragging on him specifically. It's the fact that, you know, if you don't measure up, you don't measure up and the results speak for themselves. And that's what you need to look at. I don't care what potential you have. If you're not performing, you're not performing. And, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. may be the nicest guy in the world, but he's not getting the job done. And, yeah, it's game one. I understand that. But he's had time to do that. And if this is going to go on all season long and the Rockets are going to be losing by 15, 20, 30 points a game because he's playing most of your minutes at point guard, well, I'm sorry, that just doesn't cut it. In the NBA, you've got to have something better than that. And he's just not the option.
1: The other thing is, and, I, and I've said it all through the preseason, Shangoon should start. You talk about taking away minutes from uh, somebody like John Wall with Kevin Porter Jr. Well, to me, at least John Wall is better than Kevin Porter Jr. right now. Daniel Tice is not better than Shangoon. And Shangoon's going to be light years better than this guy. And let's see him. Let's get him up to speed because he can make you a better team with passing, with his defense, which I think is is potentially better than Daniel Tice when it's all said and done. Believe it or not, I know this criticism of his defense from what he was doing in Turkey, and somehow they equate him to every other Turkish ball player, but what I'm seeing with my own two eyes is he's good on defense, but the bigger thing is he can be a great offensive player, and he can be a guy that makes everybody better, and let's play him. Let's see him get twenty-five, thirty minutes a night. You're gonna get blown out every night if you're not gonna play John Wall and you're just gonna run Kevin Porter Jr. out there. If you're gonna do that, then go all the way. Go all the way. Why are you wasting time with Daniel Tice? I mean, was it in his contract that he's got to start? You're 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 doing that to some guy that's just some scrub on another team and was was like a, a throwaway in a Celtics trade last year. Come on, just play Shane Goon. give him thirty minutes a game or twenty five if he fouls out or whatever, but the the, the, the ties thing I don't get, I just don't get
0: who it. was it that you asked me the other night, Robert who did you ask me who I thought would be the best player on the Rockets other than the obvious Jalen green who did i who did I tell you? was it Saint Shane Goon? because that's what I told yep. you <laughs> yep. yeah, you told me, and we, we basically said it at the same time. It was Shane Goon. So there you go. I mean, we, we both feel the same way about that. And by the way, if, you know, for some reason that Steven Silas does not work out as the Rockets coach, uh, they may be giving you a call, Robert, because, I mean, you, it sounds like you're really vying for that job right now. <laughs>
1: Silas is going full O'Brien, not starting Shane Going Again, maybe this is some Rafael Stone deal under the table or whatever. I don't, I don't know that Tice has got to start because they signed him. But if you're pissing Daniel Tice off, I don't think frontline free agent, best player in the league guys are going, oh, they really screwed Daniel Tice because they didn't let him start, even though they told him he was going to start. Daniel Tice, they're going to say, who's Daniel Tice in about three or four years in the NBA? Who
0: cares? Well, see, I thought that when they got Daniel Tice, he was going to be a backup to begin with. Well, obviously that is not happening.
1: Well, let's forget all that and let's celebrate the Astros and you know can't wait for Game six, a, a couple of days from now. And just a quick reminder before we finish up that if you're looking to make a little spending money, a little wager on Major League Baseball, for instance, the Astros, you might want to make make a wager on the Astros at this point to win the World Series. It's looking good right now. Or if you want to make a wager on college football or the NFL, use our sponsor, BetUS, America's favorite sports book. When you use it, the code to use HST, Houston Sports Talk, HST. 125 to redeem 125% signup bonus on that initial $100 deposit. If you forget, the promo code is in the show description. You know this story. Just go to HoustonSportsTalk.net, click on that BetUS link, and get yourself started with BetUS. It's the way to go for your next wager to make a little bit of money going into the holiday season. Until next time, go Strokes! listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Here come the Astros number one every time. Go!